clap the, the thing. Save, yeah, <laughs> clap. Take some more editing for Jamal to do. <laughs> That's how we sync like the the audio and the video with Carly on our YouTube channel. Oh yeah, not to, not to get away from that, but yeah. Um, yeah. But what what I was saying is, I think the same thing goes for contractors too. You know, when I remember when I was starting out, and you know, I, I'd call people to to come get bids and and do this and that. A lot of times, it felt like they were doing me a favor by just showing up, mm-hmm. and because they were supposed you know supposedly so busy, and I was just a little guy. Yeah. But in reality, it's like I'm giving them work, and and potentially I'm giving them a lot of work because I'm going to keep doing this in the future. I'm going to go. I'm going to keep going bigger, and we can maybe create a relationship where they end up getting a lot of business from me in the future. So I think that that mindset is, is really important to have with a lot of different things you know, when it comes to, um, yeah, you know, hard money lenders or um, contractors, anything like that. It's like you're providing them value. Yeah. And you, you're the prize at the end yeah. of the day. Plus creating a win-win for everybody win-win. involved, actually. That's where the real growth happens, yeah. I think. So. Yeah. I think, like – People doing the purchasing of real estate, like they are the ones driving every other like secondary and tertiary business around it. Like you wouldn't have any, you wouldn't have realtors, you wouldn't have title company, insurance, property management if there were no people like, well, maybe property management, but like, you know, insurance. But if there's not a lot of people like transacting, mm-hmm. you know, like doing the business, fixing up houses, like you'd have a lot less businesses that supplement that, you know? So like you are like the, the core of like that real estate market, people like buying transacting, fixing up, that kind of thing. So Definitely. And I- even outside of the market, the, the community itself. I mean, when you go in there, you take a dilapidated property, whether it's a house, apartment building, whatever, you clean it up, you're adding so much value to that community. Yeah. I mean, there's been times where, you know, like w- we've done it, uh, like a reposition on an apartment building. We've had tenants come to us and say, like, thank you for doing this. Thanks for getting all these people out of here. Or, you know, when we were doing single families, we'd have neighbors say, like, thank- thanks for, like, not oh, making yeah. us an eyesore anymore. All the time. Yeah, the neighbors love it. Um, city officials love it, inspectors, you know, like, everyone, there's no one that's going to complain about you, like, fixing it up. Some people, like, maybe don't like that you're making money off of it, but if no one makes a profit, then, like, no, no one's going to do it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> there's no incentive, no, so, no like, do it. yeah, and, and even, like, the people you're buying properties from, they're super thankful to get you. It's a huge weight on their chest, you know, like, a lot of times, they're not able, like, financially, or, like, you know, like, they can't do the work themselves, or they've gotten in over their head, or whatever happens, like, circumstances, but they have like this, you know, this weight on their chest, you know, on their shoulders, and they are just happy to get that off. You know, you relieve, relieve that pressure, and if you can create that win-win for the people you're buying from too, like they're even super happy mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. and grateful. So, so you did your first flip. You yeah. guys sold that. You made sixty grand. That's awesome. Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> and then from there, it, in your head, were you thinking like, let's make it, let's let's go hard, let's 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 quit the full time job, let's yep. start flipping like fifty homes a year. Yeah, I was done with my W two before that even closed on the oh, sale. Really? Yeah, so <laughs> I so was your like, first one. You quit. You quit yep. your W two. Well, we okay. Yeah, we had a bunch of money saved. We had some income from a couple properties. You were living for free. My wife's making fifty grand at a job. You know, so like we don't have any kids, no dogs. You know, like we're and we're pretty frugal. So our expenses are low. My wife, and this is still kind of our arrangement now, you know, three and a half years later, but she's, like, covering all of our monthly expenses and saving up a little bit. And, yeah, basically, I go out and I try to build wealth in real estate. And I'm, I'm free to not have to work a day job, and I'm free to take, like, bigger swings, bigger risks with my time than you can if you're, like, you know, working as a project manager, working 60 hours a week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so I did that first flip, quit my job. A little prematurely, probably, but, like, <laughs> I thought, like, if I'm not – it was because I hated my job, too. It was like, super stressful. My thought was, 
if I work this hard for someone else, like I'll go work harder and do way better for myself. Like if I work that hard for me, self-employed, there's no way that I can't like be successful. So I just went for it. I did one flip, had the house hack, you know, and I thought I could always go back to work if I needed to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you got this business going now, you're flipping homes. Um, you just made your first hire, right? Mm-hmm. So tell us about that. I mean, have you seen a, a big difference in production? Have you seen your business change dramatically? You know, are you, I'm sure you're delegating a lot of things that weren't necessarily providing bottom line revenue, but had to be done. Yeah. Tell, tell us about making your first hire. I think that there's a lot of people that, that have small businesses right now that are just doing everything. Right? Yeah. That's and tough. it's not really a business. I, that's one thing I, you know, Kumar and I always talk about. Like, is it really a business if you're just working 100 hours or 80 hours a week? Because really what you did is you just created a job for yeah. yourself. A business in, in our heads is something that mm-hmm. is, it runs like a machine, right? It runs when you're not there. Right. And maybe even it runs even better when you're not there if you built it right. So is that kind of what you're trying to build with, with the flipping company? And, and, and so h- how does that hire come into play? Tell us about that. So the hire came in basically as uh, a, str- yeah, a way to take more off my plate. Yeah, and work on my business instead of in my business. Exactly like you said. Um, she does. She originally started as like head of operations to basically take over all my day-to-day stuff, marketing, um, like managing flips, that kind of thing, like the project manager side. Um, we kind of s- we kind of pivoted a little bit, so she's not doing a lot of the operations part of it. Where she, but she has kept the marketing, so she does all the marketing, ma- manages the lists and everything like that, mailers, and that's automated now for me. So I've trained her on driving for dollars, direct mail marketing, and like organizing the lists and stuff. And I just take the phone calls, but I'm gonna out, you know just still have her do that at some point. But mm-hmm. I'm just doing that right now. But she's also running and managing. <clears throat> the YouTube channel. Okay. So we kind of pivoted there. So instead of like the operations stuff on the day-to-day, she's doing operations on a little side business. You know, like you call it that, you call it branding, but she's doing all the filming and editing and I do all the script writing for YouTube. So that's kind of what she spends half of her time on. But now that leaves more of the stuff on my plate for operations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that'll be my next hire probably. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, you just realize you can't do everything yourself. You, you, you're working a job for yourself if you do everything you're on your own and you just after so long you're like okay I can either keep doing this forever or I can listen to what successful business owners say and like start delegating some of the stuff out and having like a machine that you build that you can work your way out of to retire or like do whatever you want but that's the end goal for me like that should be ha- like that's what you should be shooting for as a business owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that's that's the whole point of taking the risk and and uh, and the brain damage. The brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really at the end of the day, that's what it's for, right? So, um, no, that's awesome. So, so she's doing a lot of acquisitions. You're you're still kind of doing the operation stuff. So on YouTube, what what's the play behind that? What what do you think are the upsides of that? We we <clears> kind of <throat> started doing a little bit of YouTube, and then and then, you know, we weren't really that consistent with it. Um, we've been trying to be more consistent with the podcast. I think the value of, for the podcast for us is just meeting new people. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think it's more of that than than branding. I mean, it, it is a little bit of branding too. But YouTube, I can see, could be really powerful. I've seen some real estate specific guys on YouTube um, that have just blown up. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 when you blow up on YouTube, everything else blows up with it. It seems like your deal flow blows up, your opportunities blow up. 
what what's your thought process behind growing the YouTube channel? Uh, thought process is mostly geared towards scalability. Like that's one thing I think a lot about is how do you how do you do the same amount of work but like get ten times your results? You know, so I I think a lot about that. That's kind of what helped push me towards hiring. You know, like I can't get to these goals by like just working more. So hire someone. YouTube is a way to scale your like audience, you know, like, I mean, it's a way to build an audience, but it's a way to scale your business too. And, and you can even build it into its own side business. But if you can make a video about all your deals that you've done and just show your credibility, it's like an online resume. Like that's kind of how I thought about it originally. Like I'm going to do at least a video a week for the next year. So I'll have like 50 to a hundred videos in the next year done. And anyone that wants to learn about real estate can go there. Anyone that wants to learn about me specifically can go there. And it's like a, ne- a huge networking tool, like you said. But like the scalability part really interests me because you do all that work once. You have 100 videos now online, and it just continues to grow for you. You front load a lot of work with a podcast, and then that just continues to go. Or, you know, you write an ebook, or you build a course or something like that. You know, you build a business. All these ideas, they sound great, you know, but like, it takes a ton to, like, create and, and build it successfully. But that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, having that audience, I mean, in, in today's day and age, that, that audience is so powerful. Um, I mean, not only can you can you monetize from there, but, I mean, you can use that to open up so many so many more doors. And credibility is big, too. I, I remember uh, we had a insurance guy, actually. We, we yeah. had an insurance claim, and he actually looked us up uh, on the YouTube channel or some other uh, – media and they said well we know you guys actually i, I, I did some research so it's nice. pretty comfortable with us and stuff that actually makes a huge difference yeah uh, so you kind of back you know going off that story so we, yeah we had a, a property under contract and right before we closed there was a huge fire on the property oh, yeah one of course day, two days so before, yeah. the, what we wanted is we wanted the seller to to just transfer that insurance check over to us okay and um, the insurance company, they didn't feel comfortable with it. You know, they want they always want to be in control. They don't want to just write a check. Yeah. So the insurance adjuster for that company wasn't even our insurance adjuster. It was that guy's insurance adjuster. Yeah, he called us, and he was like, yeah, I, I looked you guys up. And, you know, we, we, we have some YouTube uh, videos out there, and we had some podcasts out there at that time. Um, and he's like, yeah, I looked you guys up. You look, you guys look like you know what you're doing. So, And then he ended up writing us a check. So. You have instant credibility, and you don't have to have a huge conversation with that insurance adjuster. Correct. You don't have to have insurance. You know, you could like that applies to agents. That applies to lenders. You know, mm-hmm. like invest potential. You know, investors in your deals. Like, you can just send out that. You can put that on your Facebook. You can send it to your friends. They'll share it with you know maybe people they know. Like, your network kind of like binds out. You know, or like. So if they know someone that is interested in investing in one of you guys' like upcoming deals, you know, all they have to do is go watch a few of your videos and they'll be able to what, know, like, and trust. You know, like you want to be able to build that, you know, that reputation online so people can just go to your site, go to your YouTube channel, whatever, and they can get to know you just based off of the content you've produced. They can know you, like you, and trust you enough to pick up the phone and be like, hey, been watching your content for a while. Got a, I got two hundred grand. Like, what do you, what deal do you have next? You know, it makes that easier, you know, for your business building. So that's another reason I'm doing it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
So what what's next for you? I mean, YouTube, you want to get to, is there a certain amount of subscribers or certain kind of, I'm, I'm a big goal guy, so yeah. I always like to ask people what their what their goals are. 1,000 subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get oh, monetization first. I don't know. I just looked in, in steps, you know, like I don't need 100,000, 200,000 subscribers. It'd be cool, but it's not like a vanity thing. It's not like an ego thing. It's more of like a, a tool. So uh, if I can get like 5,000 subscribers, I think that would be pretty epic. And I don't want just any subscribers. I want like very diehard subscribers, like people mm-hmm. like me and you. You know, like I want that core group. And if I can have a, an audience like twice the size of my hometown, I think that'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the number I have in mind. And that's all you really need to be. You can like, you could sell like an ebook and provide great value or like courses or, you know, like anything like that. You can monetize uh, an audience of 5,000 pretty effectively. You don't need a hundred thousand dollars. He's not relying on the ad revenue of YouTube. It's more yeah. of like providing value in the form of like concentrated education. Yeah, yeah. Have you read that book? Uh, this is marketing. Not yet. By, by Seth God. 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 Godin. Godin. Yeah, not yet. Yeah. So in that book, that's what he talks about. He he says, you know, when you're building an audience, you really only need. I think in the book he says three thousand. You only ne- really need three thousand diehard fans. Yeah. Or diehard audience members, followers, and and from there you can do whatever you want pretty much so that, that's an interesting concept because yeah i think a lot of times when we look at youtube it's overwhelming because you think like oh, i need hundreds and thousands of subscribers to really make anything <laughs> out of this right yeah but that's not really the case there's a lot of youtubers i you know i see out there that are doing really great that have like maybe twenty thousand subscribers oh yeah um maybe even thirty thousand so um that's pretty interesting stuff we have a mutual friend who his YouTube channel blew up, and I I, I want to get him yep. on the podcast. He would definitely do it. Um, yeah, he would. I know. I, I got to reach out to him. But yeah, he, I, I Kumar. I don't I don't know if, if you know him, but yeah, he had a video um, about a flip that he did, and it was a hoarder house. Yeah, and it blew up. Like he got like I think one point five. Extreme hoarder house. Extreme yeah. hoarder house. Mm-hmm. He, he got like one point five million views on it on the on this first like just his first video on that channel. And he got like twenty thousand subscribers from that, just from yeah. that one video. He made great videos. He really, he really got a lot of content out of that house because mm-hmm. it was just such an extreme example of a hoarder. Like, even off of, I think like on YouTube, if you search like hoarder house, it's like in the top five or something like on YouTube yeah. because yeah. it's like, it's. But it wasn't even like dirty or gross. Really, it was just a lot of like hoarding stuff, you know. So, yeah. and I helped with that house actually. I helped do some demo and some Did painting. You? Yeah, I helped him out. It was a lot of fun. And I like, yeah, his his YouTube channel is great. And I think the the coolest part is that like he's just getting started. It was like a hoarder house. That's like kind of like entertainment style. But he's actually like a brilliant like he knows his numbers. He was an engineer, yep. and he's like he's a very good investor, very like very smart guy. And so now he's like starting to like parlay that audience into like more of you know like uh, investing audience and stuff. So he's like using that as a jump start, which is super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a cool guy. We'll have we'll have him on. We can make up of those videos too. I I was, <laughs> yeah, gonna, say, sure. I was gonna say that. So so yeah, you know, right. I think that we could we always talk about a reality show. That's right. Because with Kumar and like the management company, oh man, there is some oh, I shit that goes shit. on over there. <laughs> it's a reality TV. There is some absolutely <clears throat> some. Cr- I mean, just like like thirteen twenty one, for example, that yeah. unit. I mean, that guy in itself. I mean, it, this guy had just like accumulated feces oh. in his unit. It was, wow. it was bad. And something, I don't know if it was, it was him that was peeing on the carpet or, or some kind of animal. Whoa. But, 
I mean, once we uh, we were in there yesterday and everything was gutted out and it was still the smell was unbearable. I don't even know if YouTube would let you put that on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you bought the property, we inherited. We inherited the this guy. We didn't put him in. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, right. Inherited the tenant, but it, it happens. We we had some of those stories for sure. So. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, we could create a whole like. You almost could, yeah, you almost could, or you should, but yeah, it's like wherever you put your energy, like that's yeah, where it's it'll w- grow. Yeah, where you focus on expands, yeah, right? That, yeah. That's the biggest thing. So yeah, that I, I did dedicated, so I flipped like my last two houses, and I put all that money like off to the side, like mentally, and uh, I was like, that's going to be a salary for uh, my hire, and that's going to be my marketing budget for mm-hmm. 2023. And so as soon as I sold it, got my new hire on board, and then we just had a $1,500 monthly like marketing budget. And so I'm like, okay, that's dedicated. That's where I'm going to put, I'm like, already, like, assigned a whole year of her time and my money towards marketing and, like, YouTube. So, yep. like, that's already pr- done in my mind. It's just we just have to, like, execute on the plan. Yeah, that's smart. That's yeah. smart. So when you're flipping each house, are you paying capital gains on each one? I know there's a certain, there's a different IRS, like, dealer. There's a dealer, uh, it's called a dealer. Classification. Classification. We were always wondering that, like guys who are flipping, you know, bulk houses, are they are they paying capital gains on each one? Short term capital gains. Short term capital gains. Self, that'd be income tax, self employment mm-hmm. tax. You know, yeah. it's brutal. So you try to find a way to offset that with expenses. You know, yeah. basically, like if you're going to flip a house, you're going to make forty grand on a flip, thirty grand, fifty grand, something like that. You have to either put that money towards you know more marketing to keep the machine going, a, a hire that can offset it, you know, or business expenses a vehicle, but that's like a one-time thing, you know, I mean, unless you have a property management company, you can buy vehicles and that helps offset. Mm-hmm. Or if you're, you know, if you want to get into like some of the more advanced stuff, if you bought an apartment building, did a um, cost, seg. cost seg study. Yeah. Are you doing any of that? Yeah, you are. Yeah, okay. I mean, that that, that uh, is almost a no-brainer because right now you can take all that in year one. So yeah. it's like if yeah. you take all that right off in year one, and you're a real estate professional. This is not tax advice, by the way, but uh, call your CPA. But my understanding, you can take all that like depreciation in year one, bonus depreciation right now, and you can offset that against your active income. So if you're a house flipper mm-hmm. and you maybe you, you bought it a 40-unit apartment building, now that income is not taxed because you have that write-off from the apartment building. Yeah, we, we literally have, I think, Kumar's doing a, his one of his buildings, a big one, and then yep. we're doing three of ours. <laughs> Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. Literally yeah, scheduled right. tomorrow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll have to get some of your guys' opinion on that a little bit more, like some of your contacts. Like, Yeah, I'll put you later. in touch with them. Yeah, we'll see how he does. That's correct. Um, but yeah, it time. seemed like a pretty decent price. Um, Experienced yeah. person. Seems experienced. But if you make look, if you make like 200 grand in flip income, you're paying maybe like half that is gone to the government. You know, so you're looking at yeah. $100,000 savings, like, you know, just from that one write-off. So it's like almost, you could almost take that $100,000 that would have gone to the government and go buy a house and then you cost-seg it and like you get some back, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like you have to look at it like, if I just pay taxes, this is the, what the situation would be. If I like spent all that money on marketing, like I probably wouldn't be able to flip all those houses, you know? So you kind of have to see like what's the easiest, most advantageous, efficient route for you with your taxes and go from there. Kick yeah. the can down the road. Kick like the can exactly. down the road. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're delaying tax paying. Yes, you're not, yeah, like, yes, getting yes. out of it. It's just, like, you're trying to grow your business to the point where, like, 
when you do start paying those taxes, it's not as you're already like wealthy. You've already built your dream life. You've taken care of like you've retired your parents and stuff. You all your goals have been met. Then the tax man will come knocking. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll always be painful. <laughs> yeah. No matter where. Like, yeah, like they like they say, differ, 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 and die. Different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Unless you, I think, I think there's a there's a strategy where you can actually convert your convert into an estate, right? Or, yeah. a, or a trust. Trust. Yeah. And then you get out of. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not a CPA either. Could be opportunity zones too. You might be able to do mm-hmm. that, but there's ways. You know, it's just. Paying taxes is not also not the end of the world, I and mean, a lot of real estate investors would probably crucify me for saying that. But you know, that, that's not horrible. Funny that, it's funny that you bring that up. So we were talking about this earlier. Um, there's a there's like a notion in I think in the real estate community where if you buy something, you have to do a 1031. Have to. You yeah. cannot sell it you and must. then take the cash home. <laughs> but then that's why all real estate investors are broke. They look great on paper. They're cash poor. But they're cash poor. Cash they don't poor. have any money. Yeah. Because it's always rolled into the next deal. Deploy it at all, yeah. So this year, you know, we sold a bunch of our stuff. I sold a bunch of my personal properties. Kumar Same sold here. a bunch of his. Yep. Some of them we ten thirty one. Some of them we took it home. And we're yeah. just like, hey, it's nice. It's nice to have, and that's actually, I think that's value. It's having, a good combination. Having cash in the bank. Not only does it look good for lenders and when you're trying to get more lines or more loans, mm-hmm. but it, it, when there's opportunities that come up, you can move quickly on it. You know, there's yeah. guys on the internet out there. I think like Grant Cardone, like he's always like, cash is junk. You should cash you should never trash. have junk in the yeah you should never have cash in the bank. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think that it's very important to have some, especially right now when when we don't know what the next twelve to eighteen months is going to look like. Right. Yeah. It's super important to have to have cash. You know, I, I want to have I want to hoard cash right now. I want to have as much cash as I can in the bank. Yeah, like little bets. You know, like how important to any particular investor is liquidity. Like if you have cash in the bank, if you have all your cash in the bank in the last two years, that's bad for you. You know, like. You'd, no one would ever do that. No one would ever put every dollar into real estate, every dollar into cash. Like, every investor is different. Like, you go on uh, Instagram or TikTok or anything, yeah. you'll find Grant Cardone saying cash is trash. You swipe up, and the next person is saying, like, um, cash, you got to be liquid. You know, like, crash is coming. Like, you can find any support for any theory or any, like, predictions you have online. Yeah. So I think, like, you just you just do what makes sense for you personally, like your business model and your risk tolerance, your investment strategy, you know, like where you're at in your career. Correct. And then you just go from there, you know, like people online giving you advice and stuff. You have to take it with a grain of salt. Grain of salt, yeah. 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 Regardless if it's cash or uh, you have to just position yourself according to the market, Mm -hmm. whatever that means for the, your, your personal needs. That's what I think. I think, I think experience is a big one too, because if you know what you're doing, Let's say, let's say, for example, you didn't buy any real estate last two years, right? And you held cash in the bank. You you ate you ate some dirt when it came to inflation, oh, yeah. right? You ate some dirt. You but some dirt. if you are an experienced investor, I think the the opportunity cost of you using that cash on an upcoming potential deal will make that loss of cash during the inflationary time. Um, not not matter at all. I think yeah. I think you'll make up for that times ten Absolutely. if you're an experienced investor. Yeah. Now, if you're someone who has a nine to five, then it's like time in the market is better than timing the market. Right. You just put your money in and just let it keep compounding. Yeah, that's a great example. So I, I think you know, there's a lot of guys that tie. I think there's a guy on YouTube I saw. He he was saying that same exact thing. Is like it, the inflation that he he wasn't buying. He was a big real estate guy. He didn't buy any real estate for the last year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I have cash in the bank. Yeah, I lost out on some appreciation. I lost out on some inflation, but that's going to be insignificant to 
the returns I'm going to make when I do get back in the market. Right. And if you're, money. Ex- if you're experienced enough, then I think you can have confidence in those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're right. Yeah. It's like a little bit of a tax. It's a, it's a tax you're paying for the ability to for be, opportunity. to be a yep. buyer yep. on a crash. Cause like a lot yep. of banks tighten up on crashes, you know, or, yep. you know, lines of credit can dry up, stuff like that. Exactly. So what are, what are your thoughts on that? Are you, are you getting ready for something? Are you hoarding cash or are you thinking it's going to be oh pretty my stable? Gosh, yeah. I'm not really a big hot takes kind of guy or a predictions yeah. guy. Um, <laughs> I, I don't care really. Like there's I, deals I in every market. I don't want to leave it up to luck. So my whole investment style is predicated on getting great deals. In any market, you can find a great deal, and if you get a great deal, you can you can hang through any market. You know, if you have all my last deals, have either been you know like really deeply discounted houses, multifamilies. Um, you like buy a house for dirt cheap, you fix it up into a nice house, and you're cash flowing a little bit. Like your rents probably won't change that much in a recession, so you're okay there. You can just hang on to it if you need. But you know, if if the market if the market goes down twenty percent, which would be especially for Fargo area, crazy. Like, mm-hmm. but even if that happens, like you've built in 30% equity, you know, like a lot of my portfolio was at like 40% equity, you know, like 60% loan value. So it's not really bad at all. So like, it's not going to affect me until you go to sell. So like the whole market crashing, market not crashing, as long as I'm following my buy box and getting like really good deals, I'm confident in any market. So that's why I pursue that strategy because I don't have to like try to analyze, try to predict, try to gamble. You know, and I, w- mm-hmm. I will, I will do all that for fun just to see if I'm any good at it. But I won't put a lot of time or money towards gambles like that necessarily. But that being said, I will like try to get into. I'm starting to look now that I'm getting into like this 36 plex and like looking at bigger deals. I don't really need to be in Fargo, you know, like in this area. So like now that I'm analyzing other markets, you can try to make little bets on like which is an emerging market, you know, like, is it like Austin where it's like just exploded? Like how can you take a small bet and maybe bet on a market like that? You know, it's still safe. It's still like a value add deal. You have built in equity, but you're also adding that second layer of uh, like exposing yourself to appreciation. Yeah. 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 But, but you know, when you're doing single family flips, for example, do you think that you have to kind of take into consideration like a major appreciation time, major depreciation time. Like for example, you know, when I was, um, when I was working with home investors, right. And I was, I was, I was like their acquisition guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was buying stuff. This was last year, right. Last two years, I was buying stuff probably 10% higher than what I would have bought it the year before, because I knew I could sell it for 10% higher. Right. You know, once I was done flipping it. So if I wasn't keeping track of what the market was doing, I would have lost out on a lot of deals, I feel like. Do, do, you, do, you, do you feel that you still have to kind of keep track of that? Because now it's like, now I, that same deal that I bought last year, I don't want to buy that deal 10% higher today. Right. Because it's not going to sell for 10% higher today. Anymore. Or as fast. Yeah. Or as fast, <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> you have to definitely know the market. Like, that's, I don't want to say that's like an assumed, but... If you are going to go and sell a two, three, four hundred thousand dollar asset, you have to know that you can sell it and what it's going to sell for. Like, you're gonna you're gonna need to know what it could sell for. But like, knowing is kind of like no one really knows anything in investing. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we'd all be billionaires, of course. But like, yeah, of course There's you a have shot to. in the dark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shots you want to get as close as you can. And real estate's a pretty like you know a slow moving asset. You don't get something done in a day. 
So you have time to really like dig deep, analyze the market, like pick people's brains who are like professionals who are selling houses. They have the pulse of the market. So yeah, like that's part of being an investor, but yeah, you, and each person's different too. So you have to look at like, okay, I think I can get, I could, I think I can sell this house for 250 when I'm done. But me personally, I'm a little bit more conservative. So I'm going to use the, an after repair value of let's say 230, you know? And if I get 250, like I think I could, that's great. But if I don't, you know, like that's where I'm basing all my numbers. So I get less deals that way, but I also get bigger margins because mm-hmm. I end up getting bigger, you know, like sale prices and stuff. Right, right. But at home investors, you guys are doing like volume too. So yeah, like you could yeah. get smaller margins, but the volume game's just a little it bit was, different. It was a volume game over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The goal was to buy three a month. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they're, they're doing a lot more since I left. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, that's pretty interesting. You know, and another thing that's, that's interesting too that, that, Kumar and I always talk about is just, I, I think at the end of the day, every piece of real estate you buy needs to have some kind of value add, right? But what what does value add mean? I think a lot of people me- think that value add means you got to go in there, like rip down the walls, <laughs> take it to the studs. That's not necessarily what value add means. Value add could be something as simple as changing the, changing a manager, getting a manager in there who's more efficient, bringing those costs down, maybe bumping rents by 5 10%. Yeah. without doing any kind of work to it. Mm-hmm. So lately, you know, the kind of assets that, that we've been buying that we want to hold for a long time are newer. Just, I, they still have value add, but it's not, it's not, the, it's not the traditional sense of value add. Mm-hmm. It's more like, hey, let's, let's try to bring the, the, the expenses down 2-3%. Let's try to bump rents 5-10%. Yeah. And, and where I'm, what I'm noticing about that is your, your, your returns, your cash on cash immediate returns are lower, right? You're, something like that, you're, you're going to get like 5 6% maybe. Yeah. But your appreciation is so much higher. It's your tremendous. headaches are so much more less. The banks love it. You can, you can, you can borrow against it to go buy a fixer-upper or whatever you want to do. Um, what, do you, what do you feel about that? You know, like, so lately, anything that we buy that's not 1980s or, or newer or even 2000, or new, we, just, we try to get in there, reposition it, and sell it off. Um, and then anything that's newer than that and big enough, and we'll keep that. What do, what do you think about that? I think that's smart. I mean, that's definitely a strategy. And value add does, doesn't have to be physical. It can be managerial, you know, like the process versus the actual building itself. You know, they both go hand in hand, but the actual, like, construction value adds is heavier lift, takes longer. Well, not you know, it can take longer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, heavier lift and could be potentially riskier. But, yeah, equally the same, there's the managerial. If you can get in there and manage it more effectively, then, you know, you can do all that remotely. You can do all that from scale. Like, you can do a lot more. And like you said, you're exposing yourself to more appreciation, which is where a lot of wealth is created. You know, in certain markets, you know, like, you you can't assume you're going to get that. But, like, if you can expose yourself to the chance that that happens more with better properties, then you could – Honestly, you could make more wealth just off the appreciation side than you could with, like, the value add. But value add, in my opinion, is just, like, uh, a, a non-negotiable. Like, it has to yeah. have some... How, it, do you, how do you make the property better in some, yeah. some shape or form? You want to yeah. add that equity that gives you a little buffer, you know? So if you can buy a million-dollar property and make it worth one million two, you know? Like, you've added 200000 you know, like, that's your, that's your downstroke on a million-dollar building. And if you ever needed to sell it, you're not going to lose money. You know, yeah. so it's like it gives you day one protection 
and it like insulates you from like a lot of the stuff we talked about earlier. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And, and when you when you're buying bigger properties, you have a million dollar loan on something. The debt pay down. You're making yeah. you're making money on the debt pay down, which is huge. I, mean, I actually made a YouTube video about this. Like, really, where you make money in real estate is the equity capture, right? When you buy something and you already have some built in equity, or you do some kind of value add to build an equity, mm-hmm. the appreciation and the debt pay down. You don't really make a lot of money on the cash flow. Especially like if the building is five million or less, like your cash flow is going to be up and down. You might have a couple fridges yeah. go out. Yeah. There, you, there you go. You're, Someone you're, steals you're, your fridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're done. You're done. So that's really where the money is made, and 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 a lot of times you don't see those three things until you hold it for a long period of time. So right. that's kind of what we've been focusing on is like how do we how do we find those better assets, less headaches. There's less capex too, right? You can go buy yeah. a super cheap. 12 plex in conversion downtown, um, but it for like 300 grand or something, but you're going to get crushed by, you know, every little thing that comes up, every little CapEx thing. I think with you guys too, pitching investors, potential investors on a huge fixer upper or like a really heavy lift, like trying to turn every unit and like get new tenants in there. Like that's a harder pitch, a lot more unknowns. But if you're pitching someone on like, oh, this is, you know, a 15 year old class B plus A minus, you know, like newer build property in a nice area of town might have a little bit less returns, but your like investment's safer. They can get their head around that. You sure. know, it might attract investment money a little bit easier. Plus, say people like to drive by, like, oh, you know, I got a hundred grand into that building right there with Kumar. You know, it's like that a little bit more pride than not going to take your family like out to like some crappy area of town. Be like, yeah, like. See this like, junky apartment just building? Just trying to ignore it. It's yeah. not mine. It's not mine. <laughs> yeah, not not to say like you can't yeah. make money off of value add and like you know C class areas and stuff. People do that all the time. But like True. every strategy can be executed well. But like there's you know there's a lot of risk in in those like C class like that one I'm looking at in Dilworth that 36 plex mm-hmm. can't change the location. And that's 99 percent of real estate is location. Location. You know? I think you make your money on those C class buildings and you hold your money on those on those newer yeah. B-class. Yeah. I mean, we don't have any A-class stuff, but B-class, B-plus stuff. Yeah. that That's kind of what what I think the formula, at least for us, is what and, the formula is. And we're also uh, planning on building, so we're breaking ground hopefully this fall still. So oh, nice. Just got to the newer stuff, and so we bought some lots, and we have some newer lots in Moorhead and North Fargo side, so we're going to be exploring that part of the world too here pretty soon. Oh, yeah, I was trying to sell you guys that house. That uh, to tear down and build. Yeah. On that what, did you start construction on that thing? No, I'm uh, around noon. I'm going over there. We're going to make a YouTube video out of it first, okay. and then we're going to list it on the MLS. You're going to list so, it? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we're going to just like just clean it out. Wholesale like, it. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like yeah. clean all the junk out and then just like throw it in the roll off dumpster and like kind of make it decent for people to walk through, investors, you know? Yeah. yeah. Put on the MLS for like 40 grand or something like that. See what happens. Yeah. See what happens. And I mean, that one on. Uh, for 190 in North Fargo, and like there's no kitchen, you know. Oh, for 90? Yeah. Uh, one night, oh, the, the Home Vester one? Yeah, the Home yeah. one. Okay. So I'm like, oh man, if he's asking 190 for this, got foundation problems. <laughs> like, it, it might sell, you never know. I, I think I think yours will, someone will go for it. They can clean it out. Oh, yeah, 40 grand's cheap. It's like cheap. It's it's yeah, a lot. the lot's worth 40 grand. So. Yeah, just trying to move it. But yeah, since I hired Carly, we got a, a bunch more deals, like a bunch more random deals coming in. Done a few deals. I've gotten a wholesale done where we made like ten grand. We and that was like we barely did anything to it. Bought it for sixty, sold it for seventy five, but we did some demo, you know, so like ten ish. 
And then, yeah, we bought a five-plex. We bought that house that I tried to sell on you guys. And then we also uh, got one under contract in, like, the nicest area of Moorhead on River Shore, Riverview Drive, something like that. So we have that. That'll be, like, a really high-end flip. Okay. That'll be fun to do. Um, yeah, and so we've just got a bunch of deals with her, and I've got a lot off my plate. So, like, she's already paid for herself, like, for the whole yeah. year in the first, like, few months. Nice. Yeah, nice. you just need a time guy. Remember, we were talking about that. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah, just need someone to guy. do your... Do your bidding, basically, my little sidekick. Exactly, exactly. And you're doing an Airbnb now. Yeah, and that's a <laughs> whole that other going? side project. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. It's 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 a, a lot of learning. You know, it's like like anything new. Like you have to furnish it all. You have to learn Airbnb, all the different strategies. There's a million people out there teaching it. You know, but I got help on it, uh, managing, cleaning, and uh, like setting it all up. Are you self managing? No, no. I I could easily, uh-huh. but it would also be like. A mind burden you know it would like take up some real estate up there and i'd rather just it's more of an experiment to see if i want to put a bunch more money into that mm-hmm. that asset class mm-hmm. you know but mm-hmm. so i don't know we've got a couple bookings and it's gone pretty well it's you know a nice location nice house but okay. yeah it's just more of an experiment i'm actually you just see all these people making tons of money online you know like on like instagram youtube tiktok they're like but it's not really a vacation market either. So it's just something I'm playing with, really. Yeah. Experimenting with, trying to understand from the inside out. Have that fiveplex I'm renovating now, I'm going to put that on Airbnb too, and then those two I'm going to just use as like like a, a compass, basically, and see how they do. Yeah, we just got our first one up and going in I saw the that. lakes area. That was painful. <laughs> but hopefully it'll painful. be rewarding. Yeah, that was a, a struggle, to say the least. Um we closed on that thing, got there, realized the air conditioner didn't work. Nice. And so we, we we were there on August, July 15th. It was like 90 degrees out that day. And so I had me, Kumar, Jamal, and our girlfriend just out just sweating and screwing <laughs> stuff. I mean, we had to assemble the whole house, right? Because nothing wow. was in there. So it's all like opening Amazon packages, oh, assembling yeah. shit. Did a lot of that. Took two days to do that, and there was just a bunch of exterior stuff we realized we had to do. We had to bring a skidster in at one point to level out the dirt, and yeah. finally we got it up and going. And and actually, it's been doing really well. Um, I think we've booked out four weekends now since we put it up like last week. Sweet, all, but yeah, all, it was all credits to Jamal. Yeah, <laughs> Jamal Jamal's our manager on that, so he he does he takes management. Good job Jamal. And, um, he's actually going to take on a couple more, so we're going to convert. Kind of like what you're doing. We're going to experiment with Fargo a little bit and convert um, an apartment here into an Airbnb. Nice. And see how that does. Smaller, less risk, you know? Yeah, smaller. You know, it goes for like 70 bucks a night. It's near the hospital in downtown. Yeah. Um, And if that works well, then maybe we convert the whole building into like a mini hotel. A little hotel, yeah. Nine units in it. Yeah. It's just like anything. You just kind of like dip your toe in, see if you like it, see if it's something, if it makes sense, you know, yeah. and, and you compare like what your potential returns could be against like your traditional methods that you've used and just kind of, or if you just want to diversify a little bit. But On paper, it's crazy. Like, yeah. If you paper. look at the numbers on paper, you know, like we look at the, and we were talking about this in the last episode too, but if we look at the the numbers for the lake place on paper, it's like buying an $800,000 building. Right. Yeah. The, the NOI, if you look at it like that, like this apartment building I'm analyzing 1.6 million NOI is like I don't know, like 100,000 ish you know but you can cash flow that with a cheaper way cheaper lake place but you know it's a little bit more 
you, but yeah, it's just, it's a, it's an interesting way to kind of challenge your traditional investment method, you know, and you see that online everywhere. So yeah, it, I think it's definitely here to stay. Like I like that method and I've just been, I've been following it for like a few years now, you know, just like even pre pandemic, but I don't know. I'm slow to dive in full bore in anything, you know, cause I love the value add, but I think the value add into a short term rental is like, it'd be huge. Is like the optimum strategy. If, yeah. you, if you have no money into a lake house, you buy a fixer upper lake house. And then in like three months, it's all fixed up, furnished on Airbnb, cash flowing you. Like you have no money into it and it's cash flowing an insane amount. Like that's ideal. It's it, the it's only downside is it's management and cleaning heavy, you know? Yeah. So like that's the, that's the business, though. And we have that kind of in-house, so that right. helps. That helps that a helps ton, us, so. especially if it's in Fargo and not at the lakes. You guys have cleaners go out to the no, lake? No, no, no. Lakes, no, we, we have, have someone. actually someone. We have yeah, someone yeah. doing it at the that lakes. That makes sense. But yeah. yeah, man, that's cool. So what else is new? What else is uh, going to be the focus going forward here? Anything you're working on right now? I know you had a couple under contract. Yeah, a couple under contract. I uh, like that Moorhead house. It'll be a cool. I've never done a high end like ARV of like four, four fifty, something like that. Like okay. everything's been two, three hundred max. I sold my my most was like three hundred thousand flip, but this one will be like four. It'll be way more higher end, nicer neighborhood, stuff like nice. that. So I have kind of that in the back of my mind. The YouTube channel is kind of my. It's like the, my main focus because it's so new and I want it to do well and I have like a kind of a high quality and we're still learning everything. So it's kind of like my big project. But yeah, I mean, I have that 36 plex we have under contract. We're doing due diligence on that. And it's my first time. I mean, I sold five properties and it was about 475,000 in equity that I was able to extract from those five. Those were all like bird properties and a couple of my fourplexes. So a lot of equity in those. I'm just repurposing that because my return on that equity wasn't very good mm. in the like in its current state like maybe like five percent ROE but I thought if I could repurpose that into a one big burr deal mm-hmm. like an apartment building then maybe that 400 grand could make me 400 or like 500 grand in a year mm-hmm. you know so that was my and then I would have a free apartment building basically trying to apply single family like principles like on the burr strategy to apartment buildings so I'm trying to get into the scale game you know yeah Kind of like you are doing, and um, you know, a lot of people that we meet, the longer we're in this game, they're doing yeah. stuff on a big level, and they're like, just make the jump, make the leap. So yeah, I got the the high end house flip coming up. I have the YouTube channel I'm working on. That's that's been a lot of fun. Where, where can people find you on YouTube? Yeah, okay. So I'm rebranding it. I'm calling it Two Marshmallow Kid. Actually, Two it, Marshmallow Two Marshmallow Kid. kid. Okay. Yeah, it uh, it refers to like that psych study where they put the kid down at a table and they walk out of the room and they say, like, don't eat that marshmallow. Yeah. You know, um, it's like delay of gratification. I, my degree is in psychology at MSUM. So, like, they put that kid down. They're like, hey, uh, if you eat this, like, if you wait till I get back, I'll give you two marshmallows, you know? So it's like a delay of gratification. Don't eat this one till I get back, and I'll give you two. And if you can delay that, like, impulse to do, like, to spend your money today – by, and like you could delay that by investing it into your future. Like that's like the key to a lot of like financial and just success in life. Yep. So I thought, I like that. I like yeah, that I name. thought like let's make that the core of my my message. You know, like if you can just look down the road and say, I want that lifestyle. You know, I want that life for me and my family. But it does require some sacrifice and hustle and like effort today. Like you got to delay that gratification. You can't be going out to the bars. You can't be like blowing all your money and your time 
on stuff that your future self will not thank you for. So like, okay, Eric, 20 years down the road, multimillionaire, probably like world traveler, philanthropist, stuff like that, you know, like maybe author. I, f- I see that stuff, but you can't get there um, if you're spending money at, you're going to ladies night at the hub or something <laughs> like, you know, you can't like go out to the, you can't waste your time and your money. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of like, that's why I named it two marshmallow kid. Uh, that was pretty funny. My mom's been calling me that for a long time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a psych psychology thing, you know, in psychology experiment from, I think it was like Stanford from the seventies, okay. but Plus, like it's hilarious, that. too. Yeah, like, like, the that. kids are, like, trying not to eat it, so they're, like, distracting themselves. It's hard not to, like, buy that TV or yeah. buy that, like, nice car today. Like, oh, I have 20 grand in the bank. I could go buy anything for 20 grand, Especially you know? today. I mean, like, everything on our phone is designed to give us instant gratification. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, they make money off of it. Every time yeah. you go on Facebook, like, you're just getting a little dopamine hit. Every time you go on TikTok, you're getting a yeah. little dopamine. You're just instantly gratifying your yep. mind. Every everything is designed. It's a trap, that. though. You know, it's like hard it doesn't get out of it. You don't get anything out of it. Yeah, like the dopamine hits. Like you can, it feels good in the moment, but it doesn't serve you. Mm-hmm. And so, like that's like the the core principle behind house hacking. Like it, could, it I mean, like it could suck to have roommates, yeah. and it could suck to deal with all that stuff. But the end result is that you are creating such a better life for yourself in the future that like. I don't think it's optional. I think you have to do that stuff if you you owe it to your like yourself in the future to have like to do that stuff now to like kind of like eat shit. You know, like yeah, you, you, it, yeah, it kind of yeah, sucks. I say that all the time. Like I always yeah. tell my girlfriend, you know, let's eat shit for ten. Years. <laughs> you know, let's see where we're at. Yeah, and, and I think I think you know you're gonna be surprised. And I think the biggest surprise is once you once you get rid of like all those bad habits, you know, like the bad money habits, you 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 start to like enjoy it. You know, you kind of embrace the suck. They say like that's kind of like the trendy thing, but you you're like okay like kind of turn into the game like how frugal can i be how you know like how can i enjoy the process of living with roommates like it's you kind of learn that your mindset really really makes it not so bad you know i i love having roommates like they're all my friends i get to hang out with them and i'm never bored or alone you know like sure there's like macaroni and cheese all over the like the stove <laughs> but like you don't focus on that like you focus on the good stuff today and you delay your gratification and then yeah you just you, you're you're laying the foundation, you know, the, the all the groundwork now, so to have like all those end goals completed, like when you're when you're older. Yep. And the better you can do that, the faster you can get, you know. So it doesn't have to be for ten years. Like I'm kind of house hacking for nine years. You don't need to do that. It could be two years if you're very good at getting to your goals, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you delay the gratification. You take massive action towards your goals, and like it's like a one-two punch, you know. Yeah, get to exactly. your goals. Good deal, man. Well, I, I wanna I wanna thank you for, for coming on. Yeah. I think you got a great mindset. You're a great dude. Thanks. Um you, you know, we, we met early <laughs> on when I was first getting started and I know you helped me out on a lot of stuff and kinda gave me an opportunity to put some stuff in front of you. Oh yeah. Um, at that triplex by NDSU. Yeah, yeah, the triplex, <laughs> yep, did off market. I was super excited that you should have bought that. <laughs> Do you ever you sold that, right? Uh no, <laughs> I didn't sell it. I think I think it sold some So funny. Yeah, I knew right away, though, like, you had, the, like, the right attitude. You can just kind of tell, like, people when you first meet him, like, this guy is a go-getter. Like, he's got the right he's got the right mindset. He's going to, like, actually go through with the stuff he says he's going to do. So, like, I'm like, oh, this guy's going somewhere. Oh, I, I, I knew really it. I knew it. That. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I would tell everyone, go check out Eric's YouTube channel. Um, there's a lot of value there. I know I looked at a couple of videos, and there's uh, there's some good stuff on there, and there's more stuff to come. Oh, yeah. Um, and thank you.
thanks for coming on. Anything else you want to plug here before we before we wrap up? Oh my up? gosh, let's see. Uh, yeah, a two two any, marshmallow. Any social kid. media? Oh uh, yeah, I have a I have an Instagram, uh, Eric Stewart, just my name, and then I have uh, I'm just starting TikTok, so I'm going to use okay. a lot of my nice. like, YouTube yeah. content yep. to put on TikTok and stuff. But I'm building out that whole social media platform. But yeah, the the coolest thing right now is the YouTube channel. Yeah, right now I'm I'm rebranding it like today actually. Two marshmallow kid, but two marshmallow yeah, that's two marshmallow kid. It's kind of funny, um, yeah. That's a big thing. Uh, my Facebook, you can reach you can reach me on Facebook, Instagram. They're both Eric Stewart, and then yeah, for now my YouTube is Eric Stewart, but it'll be two marshmallow kid at the end of the day. Good deal, very good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for having me. All right, thanks a lot. <laughs>